Thanks for listening to the Church in the City podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and follow at Church in the City. Whoa, there are some dreams in this room this morning. There's some dreams that God wants to give. There are some dreams that are so big that without God, they're going to fail. And there's some dreams that have already been given up on. God's about to breathe his laugh into those dreams this morning. I love this time of year. Happy New Year. I love it. We get to look in the mirror and do some self-reflection. We, need to, we get to look back and assess and audit, but we also get to look forward and dream. We get to plan some goals. We get to expect change. I'm anticipating change all around me, inside of me, everywhere I go, because it's a new year. It's a fresh start, right? Feel the freshness in the air. Although this freshness is frozen in Chicago. This is officially the coldest Google tells me I've ever been. I can't say. I've just been numb. I don't know what it's been like. But it's the time of year where we get to start again. We look back and maybe there were some victories and we celebrate those and we high-five ourselves. and Yes, we did it. And also we look back and we, maybe some of the failures and mistakes we made and we say, okay, God, help me make sure those don't happen again. How was your 2017? How's your dreaming and planning going? Perhaps for some, 2017 has tried to creep its way in to 2018. And this morning, God says, no, 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 2017 is over. This is a new year. This is a fresh start. How many of you know we need fresh faith for a fresh start this morning? I need some fresh faith this morning. You know, I'm excited for 2018 as a family. I'm excited for this church family. I'm excited. I think God's going to do amazing things. But quite honestly, I'm glad 2017 is over. I'm happy that it's not 2017 anymore. I've titled, entitled 2017 for us Whitakers, The Beautiful Wilderness. It was beautiful in many ways because we got to walk in a promise from God. It's something that God spoke about years and years ago and that we've been trusting Him and waiting on Him and stepping out in faith for. And we got to walk in that. We got to see it realized. And it was beautiful. And along the way, God, some beautiful things inside of us. And it's been awesome. But... It's also been a wilderness because for those of you who maybe haven't met us and don't know our story, at the end of 2016, we took this massive leap of faith and left everything we know. We left our friends, we left our family, we left our security, we left our reputations, we left our jobs, we left everything to come to this new dream destination, the promised land, Chicago, the new (laughs) promised family, church in the city. And the beautiful part is we made it, we're here. But there was a long year in between at the end of 2016 to the end of 2017 where God got us here. And how many of you know that when God does stuff in your life, it's sometimes really cool. The sweet presence of God, it's beautiful. I mean, a song of songs that says the time of winter is gone, the time for singing has come. And we have those moments in God and it's just beautiful. But every now and again, God has his hand on your life and more like his finger on your life. And it's not always rainbows and butterflies and happy feelings and unicorns. It's really hard. It's like God's got you down and he's working you like a pot of molding clay. And you try to squiggle around and God just has you there. And it's like he's beating your heart and he's changing you and he's fashioning you. And that was 2017 for my heart and a lot of what we went through. You see, it's one thing to step out in faith, I've learned, but it's another thing to live by faith once you've stepped out in faith. And it's a completely another story when everything you've stepped out and the promise you've held on to, the promise that God gave that was so clear, you step out and you expect God to deliver and all of a sudden there's nothing. 
the promise was clear. You heard God, you stepped out, and all of a sudden, everything you've put your faith in, everything you've believed for, is tested and it's trialed. And that is hard. And some of you may be in a place similar to that right now. That was our beautiful wilderness. I'm glad it's over. But you know, it was in that time that God began to speak to me about the life of Abraham. And God gave me this verse that we're going to read in a moment. And it was about Abraham who also received the promise from God. Abraham also who stepped out in faith in obedience to God. But Abraham who stepped out of faith and into, into faith and, and waited for over 25 years to see the promise fulfilled or part of the promise fulfilled. And God began to encourage me through the life and story of Abraham in his faith. And let's read this verse together. It'll come up on the screen, but it's Romans 4 verse 20. It says this. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced God was able to do all that he had promised. Here's Abraham. He gets the promise. He steps out in faith. And 25 years of not seeing that promise fulfilled, yet Abraham did not doubt. Abraham grew strong in his faith. And I realized what God was wanting to do with us was, he said, you stepped out in faith, but now I want to make that faith strong. And for that to happen, it needed to be trialed, it needed to be tested. And that wasn't easy. So I'm glad it's 2018. Happy New Year once again. But I thought this morning, if we're looking at fresh faith for a fresh start for a new year, We can learn a lot from Abraham who did not waver in unbelief. If you were to say at the end of 2018, what is one of my goals? Well, if you were to say that Aiden lived 2018 without doubt, fully believing in God, being fully convinced God was able to do all he had promised, not wavering in unbelief, that for me would be a successful year. For us as a church, if we look back on 2018 and all the amazing things God did with us and in us and through us, and we said we did not doubt, we believed, we were not shaken, That would be a successful year. So I thought we'd look at Abraham this morning and look at his fresh faith in a faithful God and see how we too can have a faith that doesn't doubt, it doesn't waver, but it actually grows from strength to strength and glory to glory. Who wants that this morning? Faith to grow from strength to strength. God bless that hand. And there's another one. For the three of us this morning that actually want that this morning. There's more, yes. Take. I see that hand. Let's learn from Abraham. So let's turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 4. I'd like to read about this account. And let's look at four things that we can do and include in our lives to ensure that our faith grows from strength to strength and glory to glory. That we don't waste away in doubt with undivided hearts, but that our faith is strengthened and we move from glory to glory. Romans 4, verse 16 to 21. That is why it depends on faith, talking about salvation, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness or the deadness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do all that he had promised. This Abraham man sounds quite amazing. 
What was amazing about him, you might ask? Well, on the one hand, nothing was amazing about Abraham. He was a man with flaws, a fallen man, just like myself, just like all of us here. Yet God chose him to orchestrate his, the greatest redemption plan history would ever see. God chose him by his grace and took him and said, I'm going to take you, Abraham, and I'm going to make you into a mighty nation. Even though your wife is barren and you haven't had any children, I'm going to make a nation out of you that's going to outnumber the stars in the sky and the, the sand on the seashore. And the Bible says that as, although there was nothing amazing about Abraham, what was amazing about him was that when God said that to him, he just believed and God looked at him and he said, that's faith. That's the kind of faith I'm looking for. And God says, that's salvation faith. That's righteous faith. And Abraham was known as the friend of God. I'd love to get to the end of my life and that was said of my life. Aidan was a friend of God. Aidan did not waver in unbelief but grew strong in his faith and he was a friend of God. On the one hand, nothing amazing about this fallen man yet something completely amazing. God chose him. God used him. And he said yes. To the promises over your life this morning, are you saying yes? Or have we stopped believing? Have we stopped dreaming? First point this morning that we can do to ensure that our faith grows from strength to strength is this. Is that faith has God as its object. What do I mean by that? Well, our faith is centered on who God is and what he says. Romans 4 verse 17 says this. It says, he is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. In the presence of God in whom he believed. Abraham's faith was centered on God. Now you might be saying, well, that's pretty straightforward. That's why we're here this morning. We're at church because either our faith is in God or we're inquiring about faith in God and we're searching. But it's because we want our faith in God or we want to learn more about faith in God. That's why we're here. You're preaching to the converted. Yes, it is straightforward that our faith needs to be in God. But you know what I've realized is that we can say we have faith in God and it can be this nebulous, ethereal thing that we just say or we could say we have faith in something and we, it's like this deep-seated belief in our own strength and our own ability that might, we might say I have faith in God but in actual fact it's way out there or it's actually faith in something else completely. Let's understand a bit more. Let's get a bit clearer there. Faith in its simplest meaning, is to believe in something, to trust in something. So let's use a little example. You all have faith this morning. We all have faith. You have faith in your chair. You believed by sitting in that chair this morning. You said, chair, I believe in you. I trust in you that you will hold me in your arms. See what I did there? See what I did? You will hold me and you're not going to let me down. You had faith in your cup of coffee this morning. You said, coffee, I believe in you. I trust in you. I'm relying on you to get me through the sermon. In actual fact, that's why we give you coffee before the service starts. No. How's it going for you? Every now and again, we mix up decaf just to test responses. But when it comes to Abraham's faith that gets God's attention and just simply believing, hey, I believe in my chair, I believe in a cup of coffee, hey, I believe in God, this nebulous ethereal force out there, what's the difference? You see, Abraham centered all his faith and all his expectation and his trust on who God was and what God said he was going to do. Abraham believed in God and was fully persuaded that God was going to do what he said he would do. I can say my faith is in God, but I can live that I'm not fully persuaded that God's going to do what he said. So how do we get to that place? I'm reminded of a friend of mine and another story that, that we can have our faith in God yet 
put our trust and reliance in temporary things. You see, because God is eternal, when our faith is truly fixed on him and he is the object of our faith, then when things in the earth shake around us, our faith doesn't shake. I'm reminded of this story while we were in New Zealand. I was at a church and we were working into it and the preacher was preaching and he shared this story and I couldn't think of a better story to make this true, so I'm borrowing his analogy. But he was sharing how he had this friend who was really wealthy, a wealthy businessman who had everything and he was successful and he said, my faith's in God. He loved God. He loved, everything was going well then in a short period of time he lost everything. And he was having a counseling meeting with his pastor and he was saying, how can I believe in God? God has abandoned me. How can I believe in a God who's taken everything away from me? And the preacher's response to him was phenomenal and profound. He said, friend, God has not abandoned you. Your wealth and your possessions have abandoned you. God's right here and he's waiting for you. He wants to walk you through. He wants to help you through this. You see, faith in God, but relying on temporary things when those temporary things are shaken. Whoa, our faith has a little wobble. And on the other hand, I'm reminded of my friend who, who last year found out that he had a brain tumor. And his story is phenomenal. He goes in for this operation. The strength of faith and resolve he has is amazing. It inspires many people who hear his story. He comes out only to find a week later after they've operated on this brain tumor that his body is filled with other tumors. It's like from worse to worse. Shaken. Yet I've seen the faith of this man, his faith in God, and I've seen his story reach out across the world where people who he'd lost contact with are now hearing the gospel because of his story. He says it's not always easy. But you can see the fruits of a life whose life and faith is fixed on God, on who he is and what he said. How that impacts the world and how it changes the world like Abraham has changed the world. This morning, he has an application question. When we strip it all away, what is our faith in? If you lost everything tomorrow morning, where would your faith lie? See, it's all good and easy now to be a believer in this beautiful nation where the rights are are so celebrated. But what happens when one day the church is no longer allowed to meet together? When Chick-fil-A is not only closed on Sundays, but it's always closed. (laughs) And it's hard to be a believer then. Just got serious. I'm trying to lighten the mood a bit. But you see, if our faith is truly fixed on God, it's eternal. And when the stuff around us shakes, we are not shaken because our faith is in our God. You know, this morning you can have a faith in God through somebody else. What do I mean by that? Well, perhaps when you, when you, the only time you meet with God and you come to know God and hear from God is either through a person, a friend who loves God or through a church. The one thing I look at Abram's faith that got God's attention was it was a personal faith. All through Genesis, we have these accounts of of God revealing himself to Abram and Abram responding and having this uh, communion with God, this relationship with God. God would say something and Abraham would respond. It was personal. It wasn't just out there. If we want to grow strong in our faith, the starting point is Jesus this morning and saying, I believe, I'm all in. I believe in what you did for me on the cross that you died for my sin, the stuff that separated me from relationship with you. And I put my faith and I put my belief and I center my life on who you are. The other thing about Abram's faith, it wasn't only personal, it had action, it had feet. You see, the faith that God's after is faith that is declared with conviction but also has consequences. 
Now, not for one second am I saying that we need to mix faith and works together. We are saved by faith and grace alone. But it comes a time when we declare our faith and we believe and we, with conviction, declare something that our lives have to follow what we have declared. Where is your faith this morning? Is it directed in who God is and what God has said? If not this morning, let's come back to that place and we're saying, God, I believe in you. I believe you will fulfill all that you have promised and my life will follow it. And it won't be the some far out faith that I have. It'll be a personal faith that I have with you, meeting with you every single day. Footstep one, well, the first thing we can do, faith has God as its object. See, there are sometimes there need to be consequences to our conviction. Abraham believed in God. He was fully persuaded of who God is and what God said he would do. The next story, or the next point, that helps us grow strong in our faith. Faith chooses to see from God's perspective. If we want to grow strong in our faith, we need to make the active choice this morning that I am going to look at life, my life, what God is doing in us and through us, I'm gonna look at it from his perspective and I'll tell you that's an active choice because the moment you put your faith in God, you can choose to live with your eyes set on the things of this world or you can choose to see with heaven's perspective. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. One more time. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. We get to choose every day. To see from heaven's perspective or to see the way the world sees things. And Abraham chose to see heaven's perspective. How do we know this? Well, Abram wasn't, Abraham wasn't always Abraham. Abraham was initially Abram. Now, what's the difference between Abram and Abraham other than a bit of ham? What is the difference there? <laughs> Well, there's a massive difference. Abraham was born 2,000 years before Christ and lived 2,000 years before Christ. And he was in a middle, uh, I'm excited, a middle Eastern patriarchal society where his identity as a man was found in his ability to have children, to have offspring, to continue the family name, particularly male offspring. So I could picture his father holding him. He's just been born and he gives him this name. And he says, you will be called Abraham, which is father of many. That was a strong name. That was a successful name. That was a name that stood tall amongst others. You are father of many. Yet when we first are introduced to Abram, we realize that he is 75 years old and his wife is barren and he has had no children. So every time he hears his name, it's Abram, father of many, yet father of none. There would have been shame attached to that. There would have been failure attached to that. One who was supposed to continue his, his family name would have been one who would have to hand everything over to a servant, not his own son. The cry of his heart was, God, give me a son. Father of many, yet father of none. And every time someone called him, Abram, imagine walking through the marketplace, Abram, and everyone turns around, oh, that's father of many, yet father of none. 
Yet God appears to him and he says, Abram, I've got a plan for you. And I'm going to make you into a great nation. Your descendants are going to outnumber the stars in the, sun, in the sky, the grains of sand on the seashore. And you know what? For 14 years before God appeared to him and changed his name, Abram had to take on that identity. Abraham had to believe and choose to see from heaven's perspective. So that now when Abram was called, it was father of many who was father of none. He was reminded of the promise of God. I'm choosing to see things through your eyes, God. Even though I have nothing, you have promised and I'm going to believe. Sorry, not 14 years. It was 24 years. God appears to him again. And the first time it's, it's where God gives him this promise, he's, he's 75. And then 24 years later, God appears to him again and he's chosen to live with heaven's perspective. And now God says, right, Abram, I'm gonna call you Abraham. Remember, Abram, father of many. Abraham means father of multitudes. See, when God looks at you and he looks at me, we may have these amazing dreams, but he says, I see not many of you, I see multitudes over you. Your dreams are too small. Why? Because you can accomplish some of your dreams in your own strength. I want you to dream bigger dreams because I'm a massive God and I see multitudes over you. Church in the city, I see multitudes where you've thought many, I see multitudes. Where you've sought a bit of power, I see all power that is coming from my right hand. When you've seen one or two salvations, I'm seeing multitudes. Why? Because our God is big. Will you trust him with big dreams this morning? Will you trust him? Will you, will you hold on to those promises? He looks at Abram and Abram chooses to see from heaven's perspective. And he finally gets this name change and it's been 24 years and there's another year of waiting before Isaac, the promise comes, but he chooses. And he embraced the name change. This is important. He was Abram, father of many, it's a good name. He believed the promise, he knew God was gonna do something amazing. But then he even took it a step further and embraced the name God had for him. He said, I'm gonna be a father of multitudes even though I can't see anything, even though my body is as good as dead, I'm gonna be the father of multitudes. Some of us as believers need to embrace the name change God has over us. Embrace the promises God has over us. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible tells us that before Christ, we are dead in our sins and our transgressions, separated from him. But the moment we put our faith in him, the moment we believe in him, he comes and takes up residence inside of us and makes us alive. And he fills us with eternal life. Eternal life is not this place where we go one day when we die. How sad. No, eternal life is what happens when Jesus lives inside of you every day, every moment. From death to life. Isn't that exciting? I wanted to bring a dead body in this morning. (laughs) I really did because it's a great analogy, but it's apparently illegal here to dig up a dead body and just bring it into a crowd of people. I don't know why, but I want to stay here and I don't want to be kicked out of the country. So I didn't. But pretend, pretend. I brought a dead body in here. And now here I am alive. Alive, dead. There's a difference, right? Bad analogy, I know. A corpse, zombie-looking thing would have looked way better, I know. But how is it that we believe that we're no longer dead but alive, but our lives look nothing different to the rest of the world who perhaps is still dead in their sin and transgressions? And we're not talking living in sin. I'm talking we have the same desires, we have the same dreams, we have the same boring routines, we have the same boring lives that are no different to anyone else in the world. And we're like, hey, you need Jesus. And they look at our lives and they're like, no, I don't. (laughs) Why? Because there's no life flowing out of us. We've got the life of God inside of us, but we're keeping it in. Let 2018 be the year where we let it out and actually choose to see from heaven's perspective that we're no longer dead, but we're alive. I am alive. 
What about this? The Bible tells us that through faith in Christ, we're no longer orphans, but we're children of God. It's a great one. We sing the song, I'm no longer slave to fear. It's like, yeah. We had friends uh, back in South Africa. One of the ministries our church had was we had an AIDS orphanage. And I remember them telling me this story, and it was profound. They had kids of their own, and they were running this orphanage. And the amazing thing was, when you take a child to a party, there's sweets, there's cake, it's chaos, and it's awesome. But their kids would be at the party, and all the other kids, and they would eat, and there'd be a bit of cake left over, a bit of sweets left over. But what would happen when these, these orphan kids who had been neglected and rejected came to a party, it was just completely different. They would not leave the table until everything had been eaten. So all the sweets were gone. It's all the cake was gone. And it's, it's, it's an amazing picture because even though they weren't able to articulate it, they had an orphan spirit because they'd been rejected. They didn't have a trust for tomorrow. They had to get all they could for now because maybe tomorrow wasn't going to come because of their existence up to that moment. And I wonder how many of us, faith in Christ, we know we're alive, we know, we know we're children of God, yet we still live with an orphan spirit. Everything about life is all about me and what I can get for myself and I've got to keep, I've got to live for today because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know if I can trust God about tomorrow. And we, our lives are self-existent, just everything for us, everything for us, and it's all gone. And it's like, oh, okay, now I need to survive another day. And the next day, it's the same. It's, it's all gone, it's all gone. And God says, I'm your father. I'm your perfect father. Look to me. If you're feeling that perhaps that's you this morning and you've been living like an orphan without trusting God for tomorrow, say, God, I'm leaving that. I'm choosing to see with heaven's perspective this morning. The third point this morning, to help us grow strong in our faith. But he has an application question. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Is it man-made or is it heaven-inspired? Now, I know we look in the mirror and we're like, whoa, you're amazing. And we know sometimes we're not amazing. It's like, whoa, you look awesome. We're like, whoa. But no, actually, when you look, are you choosing to see through heaven's perspective? Are we living in continuing cycles of failures and man-made things? Point number three. First of all, faith has God as its object, as its center. Point number two this morning is this, is that we need to choose to see with heaven's perspective. And point number three is this. Faith looks beyond the circumstances and expects the impossible. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you expecting the impossible? Are you expecting the impossible? Are you expecting it? Are you looking beyond circumstances? Let's look at Abraham's circumstances. So it says here, let's read in Romans 4 verse 18 to 19, it says, In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness or deadness of Sarah's womb. I love how the New Translation puts it. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Against all hope. Some circumstances that were impossible for Abraham. He was at least 100 years old and his body was as good as dead. I don't know what that feels like to wake up one morning and you just, it's, it's game over. I, I don't know. But it was game over. His wife was barren all her life. Some of us have got things in our lives that have always been this way and we've given up on the promises of God because we're always gonna be like this. It's always been this way. And this morning God wants to break through and pop things open and say, no, 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 no. Trust in me, hold on to my promises. She was barren all her life. And the third circumstance that was impossible 
was that of time. God reveals himself to Abram at, at 75. And it's 25 years later that that promise is fulfilled. Every day he would have been reminded of that promise and every day would have seen more and more likely that that promise was not gonna happen. His body was against him. His wife, barrenness was against them. Time was against them. Yet he chose to look beyond the circumstances and expected the impossible. There's something about faith and expectation. I can say my faith is in God, but am I expecting the living God to intervene in my life? Are you expecting that for 2018? I'm totally expecting God to intervene in every aspect of my life because of my faith, I'm trying to center on him more and more. I'm trying to see with heaven's perspective, trying to look beyond the circumstances. Imagine living with an impossible promise that every passing day and year made even more impossible. What would you do? 25 years of waiting. I waited for a year and it was hard. And he has 25 years of waiting. What are the impossible situations you're facing? Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's something in your life that has always been this way. Point number three this morning is we need to look beyond the circumstances and expect the impossible. Here's an application question. When last did you trust God for the impossible? That's what I've been saying from the start this morning. We need to dream bigger dreams. Our dreams need to be so big that without God, they're gonna fail. Why? Because it forces us into a place where we say, God, I have to trust you for this because there's no way I can make this happen. Abraham changed the world with a faith like this. He looked beyond the circumstances and expected the impossible. And an ending here. Number four, that is gonna help us grow strong in our faith. Faith is undivided and holds onto the promises of God. Faith is undivided. I start off by saying that we can say our faith is in God and we can have our faith in God, but we can live not expecting God to fulfill all that he's promised. And we live kind of undivided lives. Doubt comes in so easy, doesn't it? Doubt is a crippling disease of the enemy that he wants to bring into every one of our hearts to stop us from believing and trusting and relying on God. Because he knows that Chicago at its worst needs a church at its best that is undivided in their belief of God and what God has said. So he wants to break down that with doubt. He doesn't want us dreaming big dreams. Why? He's happy for us to dream these small dreams. Why? Because small dreams aren't gonna change Chicago. But the moment we start bringing big dreams into the equation, he, brings to begin, he begins to bring doubt. Let me show you how doubt works. I spoke earlier about faith being so simple. We have faith in our chairs, right? Now, what I didn't tell you was that before the service came, I came and I sabotaged five chairs. I took the screws out and I've timed it so that round about now in the next three minutes, five chairs are gonna break. (laughs) I'd just like to say up front, if your chair breaks, I wanna thank you for being a part of the sermon illustration this morning. I expect no responsibility for any injuries or damages that may occur as your chair breaks. But thank you for helping prove what doubt does. Now, some of you are thinking, there is no ways. I know how these chairs work, there's no ways. Some of you are thinking, oh Lord, let it not be me. Others of you are thinking, oh, let it be that guy. (laughs) He deserves it. But all of a sudden now, you're kind of lifting those little bum cheeks, aren't you? You're like, what if he's true? Okay, I, I didn't. But that's what doubt comes. That enemy sows little lies, and all of a sudden, I can guarantee you next week when you come and sit, you're going to sit in a different chair. Or you're going, to, like, you're going to test it out first, even though nothing has happened. Doubt comes in. A big promise from God. The devil says, did he really say that? Are you sure that's possible? A culture doesn't say that's possible. Yeah, that's not really hip. That, that's, I've never seen that happen. Why would God do that with you? Big dream. What makes you so special? Who do you think you are that God's gonna give you this big dream and promise? I mean, really, who do you think you are? And dad comes, he's like, oh, maybe he's right. 
I'm no one special. But I tell you, Abraham was no one special. Abraham didn't even love God, didn't even serve God, didn't even, didn't even reach out to God, yet God reaches down to Abraham and changes the world with him. And all he did was believe. Will we believe this morning? And in a moment, I'm gonna hand it back over to James. For us to grow strong in our faith, our faith needs to be centered on who God is. We need to choose to see with heaven's perspective. We need to look beyond our circumstances and expect the impossible. We also need to live undivided. Getting doubt out of the equation completely by saying, God, I believe in you. I believe that you will fulfill all that you've said. And you know, the biggest killer of doubt is when we choose to actively dream big dreams. Right now, if you don't mind closing your eyes, I'm gonna pray for us. It's very possible that you're in this room this morning and you say, when it comes to my growth and my journey with God, I I haven't really centered my faith in on God. I haven't taken the plunge and said, Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior. While all eyes are closed, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand just so that I can know who I'm praying with. If that's you this morning and you wanna put your faith in Christ, you've been on this journey and you've been searching, but you know this morning, your faith needs to grow stronger, but to do that, you need to put your faith in Christ. If that's you right now, your heart is beating, you're saying, God, I need you. If that's you, please raise your hand. All eyes are closed. His hands, he's all over. Thank you, you're not responding to me. And, and I wanna add to that, if, if you're feeling far from God and you've been, God, I've been living like at a sub-level. I've been living in the dirt compared to what you've called me to because I haven't been trusting you. I haven't been believing in you. I've been saying my faith is in you, but I've been putting my trust in temporary things. If that's you and you're saying, God, I'm coming back to first faith this morning. If that's you, put up your hand as well. And I wanna pray for you. There's, there's hands. Thank you for your response. Heaven is watching. Heaven is seeing your response. It's not gonna be a prayer that changes anything in your life for my part. It's gonna be you meeting with God and saying, God, grow my faith, strengthen my faith. What little it is that I have at the moment, strengthen it. I put you first this morning. I'm choosing to see with heaven's perspective. I'm gonna look beyond these circumstances and I'm gonna expect the impossible. And this morning, God, I'm gonna be undivided in my love for you and my trusting in you. And Lord, I pray for everyone who's put up their hands this morning, who's responded to you. Right now, Lord God, would you bring a sign of your love and a sign of your Holy Spirit just into hearts and fill them to overflowing, I pray, that they would know that the word that's been sown in their hearts will not be robbed by the enemy this week, but it would be sealed, Lord God. That it would bring fruit, fruit that lasts, Lord God. Let it not just be an encouraging message, let there be fruit that lasts, Lord God. Jesus' name, I pray. Help us dream big dreams this year. We commit this year to you. This is your year, God. Let it be said of us as church in the city that at the end of 2018, we believed we did not doubt and we grew strong in our faith. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Church in the City podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and visit us at churchinthecity.us.